It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Who is the most important teacher you ever had in your life? Or maybe it was a a coach or maybe a tutor. I've had people, I've had a lot of men say, you know, somebody that changed my life was a football coach I had in high school. I've had people say, you know, I was having a tough time and this person tutored me and I made it. Well, in Galatians 3.24, and this is Fireway Friday on today's edition of Exploring the Word, and we're going to take calls the whole hour, but I do want to just uh, give one last verse as we yesterday concluded our look at Galatians. I would submit the most important tutor you ever had, most important teacher. Paul says it in Galatians 3.24, the law was a schoolmaster, literally a tutor, to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Uh, Alex and Bert here, so honored you're listening. Bert, when we look at the righteous nature of God, a holy God, and we admit that we're sinners and that we, we've known the right, but we've done the wrong, and we're, we're cognizant of the fact that we've broken God's law and it drives us to Jesus. God have mercy on me. Dear Jesus, please forgive my sins. Uh, that's the most important tutor we ever had, the the awareness of how much we needed a Savior. Amen, Alex. I agree to that. And even today, the most important teacher you have is the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. And uh, he's more effective than the great pastor. He's more effective than uh, any radio, Bible host or co-host is the Holy Spirit in your life. And by the way, that number, if you want to call us today, is 888-589-8840. We would love for you to call with your Bible question, and uh, it, it is a blessing to us. But Alex, uh, that is the truth. But when I think about my high school years and then my college years, seminary, uh, each one of those had a very important aspect in my high school years. My math teacher, Mr. Homer Guy, uh, by the way, his brother was a teacher of evangelism at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and some of the preachers probably that listened to Exploring the Word and went to Southwestern, they'll remember Cal Guy. Well, his brother, Homer Guy, was my math teacher. And then in college, the guy that I refer to quite often, Dr. James Travis, he just set me free to love the Word, believe the Word, teach the Word. And then seminary was Lewis Drummond. He was the evangelism oh professor up at Southern Seminary, a Baptist Theological Seminary. And I listen, uh, those three men, uh, really, I can honestly say, changed my life. I, you know, I thought I knew just about everything about uh, Bert Harper. You had Dr. Drummond for a I did. I did. He oh, was something else. My, I, when you sat under him— uh, you love the Word. You love Jesus. You loved missions. You loved evangelism. I mean, what a combination. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, uh, Dr. Drummond, Lewis Drummond, is kind of a, a legend in ministerial circles and evangelism, and he's uh, written on Billy Graham and uh, just so many different things. But uh, my goodness, well, no wonder I 
I love hearing you <laughs> preach and teach oh, so man. much. He it was good, and I, he was the bill. They called it the chair. He was the chair of the Billy Graham Evangelism uh, chair there at Southern uh, Theological Baptist Seminary. And uh, what a great man he was. Gone to be of the Amen. Lord, but what a man. Wow. Yes. Well, you know, we're going to go to the calls. It's Fireway Friday, and we would love to hear from you with your Bible question. The number, toll-free nationwide, we'd love for you to call in. It's 888-589-8840. And uh, again, you know, Bert, when I read Galatians, and you and I spent several weeks, Jim Stanley helped us, um, we are saved by faith. And when we, like Galatians 3.24, and we realize God is holy and we've broken his law, uh, but yet God is merciful. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to pay our sin debt on Calvary's cross. I did a pre-record today. I helped with By Design. That's another radio program that we do here. It's heard on the weekends. And uh, I'm one of the presenters there. Uh, you know, the I, I would say the Addisons and then the Hamiltons and and Wesley Walker and his wife and Wesley and and then I I do some and I'm this is a pre-record but it's one of the things you need to teach even in times of suffering with your children you need to teach God is good and when I mm. think say, saying that I thought well if I could start singing I would God is so good and you wouldn't believe it I got out this afternoon driving around and I turned the radio on a music station AFR music station and guess what they were singing God is so good. I want to tell you, whoever's listening today, God is good. He is good all the time, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of your suffering. Don't doubt God's love for you and that God is good. That, Alex, when you talked about his amen. mercy and grace, hallelujah, brother. Well, amen. And you know what? Sometimes we have to wait on God, and there, there are times in this fallen world where we just think we're desperate, and, and you might be listening today, and you might feel a sense of hopelessness. Uh, please don't stay there. Um, the Word of God promises that the Lord means good for His children. We know God has all the wisdom. God has all the power. His righteous nature, He always does the highest and best good. And a perfect being cannot make a mistake. And you know, Bertie, even in my own life, I've seen so many times when I, I've been so glad that I waited on God because He's got a surprise tomorrow for us, a blessing. And, and God can be trusted, can't He? He can. And in the midst of suffering, He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, difficulty, heartache, it comes living in a fallen world, everybody. But we have a friend that stays with us, that's closer than a brother, one that will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's with us always. Uh, Jesus Christ, listen, if you don't know him, I pray that you'd come to know him today. He is that one that can deliver. Listen, Alex, uh, good thing we took a lot of extra phone calls yesterday because you and I had a long introduction today, but I've enjoyed it to talk and tell everybody how good God is. But are you ready to go to the phone lines, brother? Let's do it. Let's do it on Fireway Friday. Yes. Let's go to Michael in Oklahoma. Michael, welcome. Thank you. Uh, thanks for taking my call. And, uh, and we were studying in, in the book of James. And, of course, there's in the very beginning of it, temptation versus testing. And I was told that... Uh, they both came from Satan, and 
but back in Genesis, uh, it says there that God tested Abraham. And then in uh, uh, Second Thessalonians, I believe it was, uh, uh, God uses testing to test the heart. And so I just was wondering, are they both from Satan, or is testing from God? Michael, that's a good question. Hey, Alex, need to write that question down to put in the next book. Yes. Okay. Hey, let me share this, Michael. I want to share two things, and I'll throw it to Alex. One is, uh, we're going to quote somebody. I don't think we've got quoted this week, Dr. Adrian Rogers. He said, Mm -hmm. a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Testing is not for God to know who you are. The testing God gives you, Michael, is so you and I will know who we are. Go ahead, Alex. Well, you know what's interesting? The Bible does talk about tests. Uh, There are the tests and trials of this life. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, you know, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You know, what's interesting also is the Bible says this, that... um, all who will live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted or tested. That's 2 Timothy 3.12. So then the Bible says we are to test things. You know, First uh, John 4.1 says, Believe not every spirit, but test the spirits. But also, yes, we go through trials just like God, God tested Abraham. Now God, the Bible says God does not tempt any man to evil. If you're if you're being tempted to commit a sin, uh, that's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And by being holy and righteous, God would never lead you to do something unrighteous. That's why, Bert, I've just got to be very frank. When, um, you know, I've had people try to justify something they wanted to do and said, well, you know what, I've, I've prayed about it and I've just got peace about it. And I'll say, no, if it's sin, that's not of God. But I do think God allows things into our life to do one of three things, to teach us new things about his faithfulness, to purge us and help us to repent and turn back to him, but also uh, just things to cause us to grow. And Bert, I think the testings, people say, you know, we went through an illness or a bankruptcy or a prodigal child, and it tested our faith but we came out on the other side stronger. Um, God won't hurt us, and God won't lead us to do evil, but I do think God, in his wisdom, just like a good parent or coach, he allows things. Um, He helps us through it, but these things can grow us, can't they? They can. Let me give you one verse, Michael. Write this one down. It's helped me more than anything. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That testing is like testing gold. The assayer tests the gold to make sure of its purity, how much of it is pure. So, yes, it's the testing. It will come, and it's precious. Our faith is precious. Thank you so much. Don't have a lot of time, but we're still going to at least get the question. And it's Jenny from Missouri. Welcome, Jenny. Yes, I have a question. Okay, in the Old Testament, Saul, the King Saul went to a medium and had 
Daniel summoned after he had died. But now in the New Testament, it says that the rich man and Lazarus, Abraham told him, we can't come down to you and you can't come down to us. So what is the difference? Okay, Jeannie, I think we've talked about this before, especially. Uh, Alex, was that the real spirit uh, uh, of Samuel? Or do you think it was? Or do you think it's uh, you know, maybe a fake I, spirit? Which one? You know, I actually do think, and, and this we can't be dogmatic about this, um, I actually think that God supernaturally sent Samuel on a, on a little mission. This is in 1 Samuel uh, 28, um, that Samuel speaks to Saul and condemns him and says, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up, First uh, Samuel 28, 15, literally by trying to do this thing, because obviously, you know, you go back to the book of Leviticus, like 19, Leviticus 19, 26 through 31, strongly, severely, unquestionably condemned use of witches, mediums, occult practices. So I I think it was part of the judgment on Saul that it really was Samuel. You know, one of the things I had to learn is put a lot of the preconceived notions I had uh, that limited God and put God in a box, you know? Have you noticed ever? Now, God will never deny who he is, but he'll break out of the box we put in him, won't we, Alex? Alex? (laughs) Sometimes, I'm going to tell you. He surprises us, yeah. The Friday edition of Exploring the Word. We call it Fireway Friday. Stay tuned. We're going to take all questions for the duration of the hour. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned. We're back with your calls and questions after this. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Anthony Blinken, U.S. Secretary of State. He oversees international relations and the implementation of foreign policy for the United States. Second Peter 1.7 reminds us of the important elements of strong relationships and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. There's never been a time in U.S. history when culture and Christianity have clashed like they do today. And Dr. Tony Evans says it's not just affecting the church, it's targeting your children. He'll give some examples today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Even in primary school, your children are not learning the evolutionary theory. They're being taught the evolutionary fact because evolution is not just about how the world began. Evolution is about why man doesn't need God. And man doesn't need God so badly that God is not even necessary for creation. Evolution is a worldview that gets rid of the need for God through science, so-called. It is an educational process. Your kids are now learning in school that same-sex marriage is okay. 
They're learning in school. You don't have to think you're a man or you're a woman. You can be what you want to be because it's your thing. Do what you want to do. They're learning that in elementary school because the educational process has become idolatrous in the culture. So people are being taught, kids are being taught, and adults are being taught anti-Christian worldviews in the name of gaining knowledge. The culture has created an idol that is being informed through education so that we are reintroduced to another way of thinking. Learn to counter the culture's influence on your kids and yourself. Check out Tony's CD series, American Idols, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. John 10, 35, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 35. Jesus said the Scripture cannot be broken. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper, and you're listening to the American Family Radio Network. We're so glad you are, and we're going to go back to calls. The number, 888-589-8840. And again, uh, we give God the glory. It was a big week at AFA, the dedication of the Don Wildman Center for Cultural Transformation. And Bert, um, I know that was on Wednesday, but I've just thought about it all week. It's just a banner day of what God is doing through this ministry, isn't it? It was, and I I knew it would be a good day, but it exceeded any expectations that I have. And a lot of times, expectations get you in trouble. And uh, but this one did not. It was just great to seeing the people who were there. And Alex, I agree with you. So praise the Lord. Hey, we got phone calls. We're going to go to you. And next, we're going to Texas and talk to Chance. Chance, welcome. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, you're loud and clear. Yes, sir. Uh, I just had a question uh, about snakes in general in the Bible. Uh, I've I've got into some discussion, some argument about uh, snakes, just the critter being, you know, one of God's creatures. And a lot of people come back with, uh, uh, all snake, you know, snakes are evil because of what happened in the uh, first part of Genesis, and I was just trying to get some clarification on that, if possible. Okay, they're still paying a price for what that snake did. I'll tell you that. And uh, but them being evil, I, not evil, but dangerous. Some of them, if you know which ones are which, uh, Alex. Uh, I don't know if how much you know about snakes. I'm not a snake expert, but growing up on the farm, you had to you had to learn a good bit, didn't you? Yeah, you know what I know about snakes is that I try to stay away from them. <laughs> That's what I yeah. know. About. Well, coral but you know snakes what, and king snakes they're so, they're so similar. King snakes and coral snakes. Now, coral snakes are can be very dangerous. The only reason they don't kill more people, their things are just not there. But the king snake is a great snake, and it takes care of rodents and even other snakes. So you, to put them in an evil classification, uh, I don't think the Bible does that, and I don't think we should either. 
Yeah, and and you know they are going to be snakes in the millennium, but uh, because it says that the the infant child, the suckling child, will safely play by the adder's den, and so um, you know the curse will be removed, and it'll be a different time. Now, I, you know we kill snakes uh, down south <laughs> here, but hey, I got a, a trivia question. Can you name two snake bites? One in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, Bert. Okay, you'd have to go to Moses and them lifting up the snake. I know that one. And they were bitten by the snake, and they had to look upon the serpent that was lifted up. And the other yeah. was Paul was bitten by a snake, thinking it was a frozen piece. It was a piece of wood. He put it by the fire, and it bit yeah. Paul. Is yeah, that you're right. Two? Yeah, I was thinking about Numbers 21, the serpent in the wilderness, and then Acts 28. But... You know, it, it is interesting how snakes do kind of figure prominently throughout Scripture, don't they? They do. And Chance, thank you for that call. I I, I really saw it, and I said, I want to take that call, so I appreciate it, man. Uh, let's go to Alabama and talk to Jay. Welcome, Jay. Good afternoon, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I, I, now I'm all inspired. I could ask you about why the serpent in the in the uh, <laughs> desert wasn't an idol, but that would be for another day. <laughs> it was because of it, God telling them what to do with it. It had nothing yeah. to do with the snake itself, but God's obedience, brother. I'm telling you, you look on what Amen. God tells you to look on, brother. Go ahead, Amen. Jay. Amen. I got I got inspired yesterday by the call y'all took from I think a lady named Elizabeth who was. Uh, asking you about uh, the, the the Mosaic Law in the New Testament and and what our obligation as New Testament Christians might be, and I remembered something I learned I think from a Messianic rabbi some time ago. I can't imagine I picked up something you guys don't know, but uh, <laughs> it's helped me understand or put some of that 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 question into perspective. So I thought I'd share it. Go right ahead. And he he basically said you got to remember that Israel in the Old Testament was a theocracy. So the Mosaic Law had to govern the whole country, not just the religion. So he said you could divide Old Testament law into, he said, three categories. There's God's law, ceremonial law, and civil law. God's law being the Ten Commandments in, in, in shorthand. Uh, ceremonial law being uh, the, the law of uh, the, that, uh, the, the means of seeking salvation through atonement. And the civil law to cover everything that would happen if I went over and broke Alex's ox's leg. (laughs) Jay, how we would deal? Amen, brother. Thank you, Alex. Let me tell you this, Jay. You got to do is is when you see the word law, you got to say what law are they talking about? That is exactly great, Uh, Alex. I've heard you use that now before. You've you've that's true. Yeah, I've heard you do that, Jay. That was awesome. Thank you for yeah, reminding good, us. Good call, sir, and thank you for listening so much. Because, do you know what, like, I, I've been at uh, several universities, and they'll say, you know, do you believe the Bible is the, the true Word of God? And I'll say, of course I do. And they'll say, well, I guess you don't eat uh, shrimp at Red Lobster, uh, because the, the, the Bible says that, you know, if you're going to be righteous, you can't eat shellfish, or you, you don't sew, you know, denim on with, you know, uh, cotton or whatever, uh, because you don't, and I said, well, now you, I understand you, what you're referencing are the intricacies of the Levitical law, but there was the moral law and the ceremonial law and the civic law, and so 
Um, that that's a really good point. And the beautiful thing, though, is that Jesus fulfilled it all. And when we put our faith in Christ, we are declared righteous. And the whether or not we broke certain infractions of the law, uh, hopefully nobody has committed murder. But the Bible says that uh, if we break one, we're guilty of all. So there were a lot of different um, uh, aspects of the laws we read about in the Old Testament. But, you know, in Christ, we are squared up with them all. Amen. Uh, and Jay, the comment and that, that rabbi made, I, I don't mean to say, hey, I made it, but I, that changed my whole focus when I saw when God gave the law right before they were going into the land to occupy it. So they would have that law in that land that God had given them. God gave them the land, but then God gave them the law. And those two L's are really, really important. And uh, so great call. Jay, thank you, brother, so much. Let's go to Texas and talk to Michael. Michael, welcome. Uh, hello. Thank you for taking my call. I'll make a quick statement and then ask a question. Uh, you had mentioned um, John, uh, in John's Gospel, Jesus being the vine, we are the branches. I heard you say, I think, that uh, as a vine, we as a branch, we produce fruit. Uh, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, bear. You bear the fruit. I'm the vine. Without me, you can do nothing. And bear means to carry, just like in Galatians, where we carry one another's burdens by bearing them. We don't produce their burdens, we carry them. So without faith, uh, Jesus can't do anything in us. We're a branch, but we have to continue to trust him. And my question is this, in both the, the gospel uh, about the vine and in Galatians, didn't both Jesus and Paul say that if you don't continue in the faith, if you don't continue believing, then you're cut off as a branch, cast into the fire, you've fallen from grace, you are severed from Christ, Christ will profit you nothing. Doesn't that say that if you believe that there can come a time when you don't persevere, the perseverance of the saints, and you stop believing, and you start going after a different gospel? And hasn't that happened to Christians throughout Christendom? Haven't, they, haven't there been people, including recently, uh, Christians, well-known Christians, who've just given up the faith, and when it was obvious to me that they really did believe, but now they don't anymore. They don't well, believe. Isn't I, that being severed from Christ by stopping believing, not by sinning, but just stop believing? Thank That's you, Michael. Question. Great, great question. And yes, in the last few years, we've had more than our share, and it's been around a long time. I want to make one statement, Alex, and I'll throw it to you really quick, if that's okay. I, I just want to tell you, uh, John said in 1 John, it was revealed that they're not with us now because they were never with us in the first place. And then the quotes that Michael made made it like they were severed and done. Let me share with you. We're arguing over something that the results will be the same. If they were saved and then they denied Christ and he severed them, the result is the same as it was if they had never believed in the first place and it was all fake. I want to make this. Everybody but Jesus knew, everybody but Jesus thought Judas Iscariot 
was a great, great apostle. He Even in the book of Acts, it says he acquired part of this ministry. He wasn't a freeloader. He carried his weight. And so, Michael, you made the observation. It was obvious to you that they were Christians. I just want to tell you, you can have all the looks of it in the world, and only God knows for sure. Alex, go ahead and respond some to Michael. Well, God bless you for for a good call, and, yes. and I, we agree that people need to uh, really um, b- well bear fruit. You know, John fifteen two, Jesus says, "Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, He purges, that it may bring forth more fruit." And a little little bit, it might just be semantics. You were talking about produce fruit and bearing fruit, like bearing one another's burdens. The word in John fifteen two that says we are to bear fruit, B-E-A-R. The Greek word, to make publicly known. Like Josh McDowell would say, um, Josh McDowell wrote a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict, The Evidence for Christ. But Josh would say, if you're a Christian, it ought to be evident. People should see it. And to your other point, uh, John 8.31, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Well, um, I think First John 2, where it says they went out from us, but they weren't of us. I'm, I want to do the 180-degree inverse. Jesus said, John 8, 31, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. Conversely, if you don't continue, then maybe you weren't his disciple, you know? So, Bert, it's not works that saves us, but if we are truly saved, we will bear good fruit, produce good works. And I, I want to say this. If somebody could fully apostatize and and absolutely turn on Jesus and the name of Christ that they once affirmed, they now deny and even blaspheme, I don't think they were ever truly born again. I don't either. And again, what the key is, Michael, is God is going to do that which is right, not what we think, not what we observed. And uh, I heard people say, I'm not a judge, but I'm a fruit inspector. We're not a very good fruit inspector, if you want to know the truth. Alex, I don't mean to be mean. The only time we're to judge concerning that is in leadership. A person, whether they're saved or not, who would have thought Samson would be in the Hall of Fame of Faith? Would you have voted to put him in there? Uh, not by reading about him, I'm going to tell you. But. but God knew something that we don't know, even though we have it read in the Word of God. And so... Folks, I'm, I'm just want to, I'll come out and say it. You better believe that kind of thing to God. God will take care of it. If you're saved and you're walking with the Lord, you're right with God. If you say you're saved and you're not you know, his workmanship producing those good works or bearing those good fruit, uh, I would check up on myself. You want to be sure, don't you, Alex? Well, the Bible says, examine yourself and see if ye be in the faith. And it's, it's not that Christians can't stumble and, and backslide. The difference is when a Christian sins, a true Christian, a born-again believer, um, you're going to feel bad about it, and habitual, unrepentant sin will not characterize your life. Amen. Thank you, Alex. Hey, let's get this question in from Georgia. It is Phyllis. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. I have a question that, about pre-tribulation had a pastor say that for years he had been a tree tripper pre-tripper now he has changed his mind and he is historic 
pre-trib. Yeah. What is that? Okay. There is a difference. I remember studying that, Alex. You're such a have a great memory. Do you do you remember studying that in school and in seminary? Um, well, you know, there's like I've I had Dr. Ryrie's book about dispensationalism, and then there was uh, 20 years ago they would call it uh, neo dispensationalism, or as in new, but historic pre-tribulationalism. Is that what Ryrie would have originally called dispensationalism? I think it is. If I if I remember, and I we did, I studied this, and they they made the difference in this. Uh, his uh, it was that those words that they used, and it was a mild difference, and uh, I cannot remember the whole details. I, I wish to did, Phyllis, but I can't. Well, uh, let me just, um, folks, don't let these kind of words like dispensationalism uh, scare you but or or you think well you know what in the world is that talking about the word in the Bible that is translated in English dispensation really means is, is the word economy you know what what's interesting or arrangement and you know the Bible talks about the fact that you know God in this dispensation has spoken through his son Jesus. Well, is is the word economy meaning in this period of history? All right, there was the the period of innocence in the Garden of Eden. Then there was the period of the fall, and there was the they called it the antediluvian, the pre-flood period. And then there was the time after the flood. And then there was the Old Testament. Well, we're in the dispensation of grace, but the Spirit of God calls people to repent. That window of grace won't exist forever, will it? It will not. Hey, we got one more segment left. We're going to get to Mark, Kristen, Samuel, Jason. So hang on. We want to answer those questions as best we can. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Hello, my name is Todd Friel. I am the host of Wretched Radio, heard right here on American Family Radio from 10 p.m. till midnight Central Standard Time. Not to brag, but Wretched Radio from 10 p.m. till midnight is the single best Christian radio program on American Family Radio at that time period. That's right. We hope that you'll join us Saturday night. See for yourself from 10 p.m. till midnight for Wretched Radio on American Family Radio. In a world where no one can tell us no. To this day, every human being born on this planet is the product of a male and a female. That's the way God set it up. God created us in His image. A place where Facebook and YouTube have no control. I think the command in Scripture relative to men and women is not mainly women sit down, but men stand up, act like men, lead as you're supposed to. A place where we can no longer be canceled. When the scripture speaks, God speaks. And if you understand that rightly, then everything else simply falls into place. The American Family Association presents the AFA streaming platform. Just visit streaming.afa.net for the latest films, documentaries, and AFA original productions, 
You'll even find videos from some of your favorite talk shows. All you have to do is create a free account at streaming.afa.net. It gives understanding to the simple. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Who knew so many Americans feared free speech? With Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter, many revealed their penchant for the totalitarian censorship of ideas and opinions they don't agree with. What they clearly don't realize is by embracing censorship, they would move our nation as a whole into a far weaker position. A robust marketplace of ideas strengthens our national body politic and creates the most production and most innovation for maximum societal flourishing. There's a reason why the light bulb, the automobile, Silicon Valley, and much more were all created in America and not Russia or China. Freedom feeds prosperity. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Nobody but Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, folks, in, in just under two months, I'm going to be at the Cove, the Billy Graham Training Center at the Cove, Asheville, North Carolina, July 8 through 10. I'm going to be doing the book of First Peter. We're going to be talking about biblical worldview and how to defend the Christian faith. Next year, good Lord willing, and the creeks don't rise, we'll do Second Peter. But I would be very honored if you would pray about coming. Uh, listen, if you're an individual, groups come, husbands, wives, the, the accommodations are world-class, the food is good, we'll fellowship together, pray together, visit with folks from all over the U.S. and Canada, and even occasionally people from uh, international countries. But uh, July 8 through 10, if you go to the website, thecove.org, T-H-E-C-O-V-E, just uh, Google my name in the space bar, you'll find it, thecove.org. Uh, I would love to see you there when we are, again, gathering around the Word of God, and uh, you'll you'll hear from Gigi Graham and Will. They make a visit, and it's just amazing to be inspired there at the Billy Graham Conference Center. So think about coming. There is still time to register. Amen. You know, uh, let me just say you'll get a triple blessing. Being at the Cove is a blessing. Going through First Peter is a blessing. And then listening to Alex teach it, and I would say the fellowship too. So it's four. I mentioned four in place of three, and, and uh, so I think you. One more blessing, Bert. That's it. You'll get to be with Angie, and <laughs> the better now, half, right? You all hear me five days a week. If if you want the real scoop, you can ask Angie too. Amen. Hey, uh, praise <laughs> the Lord. Alex did what Bert did. He married way above himself, and so. Uh, that's proof of the grace of God. Okay, let's go on to Georgia. And Mark, welcome. Is this Mark from Georgia? You got it, brother. Yeah, welcome, welcome to the program. Hey, what part of Georgia are you from, Mark? America's in southwest Georgia. Yeah, been through there. Great place. You got a question for uh, us today? Yeah, I appreciate y'all and respect your opinions, but we have a high school-aged daughter who's about to graduate, and she kind of dropped the bomb on us this week saying she wants to go to Jesus School, and it's affiliated with a church in Orlando called Jesus Image. 
and I think the pastor's name is Michael Culianos. So it's got me doing some research, and I can't come up with a whole lot about him or the school, except that he is a son-in-law to Benny Hinn, and it costs $4,500 for her to take this course. But do you, are you all familiar with it? Do you know anything about it? Alex, I don't. Yeah, um, I, I, I really don't. I'm so sorry I have to confess ignorance. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't know, but but we'll look into it. Um, you know, I I'm on their website now, and I would I'll have to read it through and through. It um, they surely seem to be making a big impact, though. Um, and uh, let me ask you this: what What does she want to do long term? Um, she says long term. Her initially, she was going to go to college and be a, a elementary school teacher kind of following her mother's footsteps. Her mother's a high school teacher, and uh, she's gotten a lot of scholarships and all, and we're kind of like, well, maybe you should just go to college first and go ahead and get this degree under your belt, and if you still feel like you need to go to Jesus school, you can do it after that and maybe be able to make some money on your own and uh, serve a purpose along with that by having a degree under your belt. I think mainly what's driving it is she got some friends this school year, and we thought they were pretty good, and they seemed to be good Christian folks, but a couple of them were thinking they're going to go to Jesus' school, too. And I kind mm-hmm. of feel like it may be a tag-along thing, wanting to be with her friends. You know. Well, um, let, let me say this, and is she just now graduating high school? That's right. Yeah. All right. Now, whether or not she's just wanting to tag along with friends, I mean, I don't know. But let me just give you this word of encouragement. Um, there, there are in a lot of areas, not only Christian areas, but other areas too, business and government, there, there are what are called gap year programs. And one of the Christian schools that really kind of pioneer, pioneered this was Word of Life Bible Institute, started probably about 70 years ago by Jack Wurtson. But a gap year program, which I think can be a really good thing, uh, kids will go after high school to a Christian, like a one- or two-year Bible college. And it sounds like uh, the Jesus School might be that. And again, I'm, I'm not saying yay or nay, because I want to I want in, to investigate and read about it. But let me say this. I know that you think, well, you're graduating high school, you need to get in college. But oftentimes, and I, I've seen this liter- literally in hundreds of cases, uh, a child will go to high school, get out of high school, go away to college, and maybe they don't exactly know what they want to do, and they'll major in something that is just not a good fit, or maybe they change majors three or four times, and they get to be 26, 27, and they've spent three times a college education, uh, and they still don't know what they want to do. Oftentimes, a gap year program, whether it's going to Bible college for two or three years or going on a mission trip for a year, very often a whole lot of growing up can take place from 18 to 19 or 20. And so y'all will have to pray about this and decide this as a family. Let me encourage one last thing. When it comes to the paying of tuition, um, it's not a bad thing when kids have to work and pay all or part of their own tuition, because the things that we have to work for, we attach a higher value to. 
And a lot of times kids will burn up time and money because they didn't have to pay for for any of it and they don't appreciate it. And uh, so, Bert, and I'm only speaking for myself when I counsel families here, but um, don't worry about the time necessarily as long as it's, it's something positive that can grow and mature them. But also when it comes to that tuition, make them have some stake in the matter as well. And chances are they'll apply themselves more thoroughly because they'll appreciate the cost of what they're investing in. Mark, we're going to be praying. Let me make one comment because I don't know about the school. If it's a solid program, it will enable her to be ready for the next four years. That is true. That's the reason a lot of people go to the summit. Uh, They spend two weeks there and just get, you know, geared up. A lot of them go to Alex, like Alex's, uh, just the week program that he has equips them to be ready. But having a whole year there gearing up could be effective if it is effective. I would agree with everything Alex said concerning that. So, Mark, our prayers go with you. Uh, So thank you for calling. Let's go to Florida and talk to Kristen. Kristen, welcome. Hi. Yes, go right ahead. Um, My my question is about first chapter of John where John the Baptist is out baptizing people and the Pharisees come over and say, hey, what, why are, you're not Elijah and you're not the Christ. Why are you out here baptizing? But these guys are like, they're under new, the Old Testament. It's like, I've never read anything about baptism in the Old Testament. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where did they, where they yeah. get baptism from? Alex, doesn't, didn't a lot of things begin in what we call the inner biblical period? You didn't hear about the synagogues. You didn't hear about Pharisees, Sadducees. What about baptism? Now, I know, let me see, what was the guy that went to the, uh, the Jordan River and he ducked seven times in the Jordan River and came up clean from the leprosy? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, the, the, the Hebrew word is mikvah, uh, like M-I-K-V-E-H, And what it was, it was immersion in water, uh, you know, to either convert to Judaism or to be ritualistically clean. And you know what they say that, um, and and by the way, we saw when I was in Israel in 2014, we visited not only a, a couple of church excavations that had baptismal fonts, but even some mikvah baths that pre, they predate Jesus by a hundred years, they, they estimate. Sometime during the, the what they call the dispora, dispora, the dispersion, they started this practice of, um, you know, being ritualistically baptized. And so what John the Baptist was doing there that you reference in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, um, was the mikvah bath that was um, a purification or a conversion ritual, but John was preaching a baptism of repentance. And while, you know, I'm not saying that all of John the Baptist's converts fully understood what we will say the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus, but the, the, the practice was being set in place that would become the uh, new believer's baptism of New Testament times, wasn't it? It was. You remember Apollos with Aquila and Priscilla? Uh, he only knew of John's baptism, and it says Aquila and Priscilla took him aside and showed him a more excellent way, as it says in the King James Version, and it, it just let him see 
the wholeness of John's baptism. In other words, uh, that he, he saw the fullness of it, and uh, that's what happened to Apollos, and he became a great, great messenger of the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you so much, Kristen. Let's go to Ohio and talk to Jason. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time. I wanted to talk about the word um, cowardly. It's in Revelation 21.8. And you see the word afraid or fearful a lot in the Bible, but that's about the only time I know of that word. Can you kind of talk about it, please? It would. Let me read the whole thing. It is. It is. You're not the only one that has noticed this, Jason. I've noticed it. And uh, I heard people say, does that word really belong in this list? Listen to it. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The cowardly, Alex, uh, you're the Greek guru there. Do you have the exact Greek word there? Uh, but, you know, if you just read it in the English, do you say, what's that one? What's that doing in that list? You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, it's a fascinating word because, you know, we've all been afraid at times, and it's like, um, you know, wow, well, I, I've been afraid. Does that mean I couldn't go to heaven or something like that? Well, it says, you know, the cowardly or the fearful. Now, the word, we get a word there that you don't hear too much, and it's the word dilatory. That's what the word is. And, you know, um, Bert, did you ever hear that word growing up? I, I heard teachers talk about, you know, not being, uh, not obeying or doing your assignment. You didn't turn in your homework. You're dilatory. Uh, okay, which, I got you now. Yeah. Which means I never heard that because I always turn mine in now. Come on. <laughs> well, exactly. Yes. Uh, me too. <laughs> Go ahead, Alec. <laughs> but, but you know what? When the Revelation 21, 8, and there, there's this list, and, you know, and it talks about those that were outside and outside the kingdom of heaven, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, liars, and they all have their portion in the lake of fire. And there is, in the English translation, it says the cowardly. Well, the original word being dilatory, slow to act. I have had people say to me, I'd say, have you come to Christ? No. Well, do you understand the gospel? Well, yes, but I, I just, I, I can't do it. I can't go down there. I just don't, I'm not ready. In the spirit of that word, meaning slow and unwilling to act. Maybe it's fear. Maybe some people haven't come to Christ because they think, I don't know how this is going to change my life. Um, I, I don't get in church because I just, what, what are people going to say? If I walk that aisle, what would they think of me? Let me say this. Um, I'm not going to say being fearful is the same as abominable murderer and all that other stuff. But let me say, look, if you're outside of the kingdom of heaven um, because you're unwilling to put your faith in Jesus and you're procrastinating, hey, murderer, procrastinator, hell is hell. Uh, and so if you're feeling the call to turn to the Lord and make sure that you're saved, don't be dilatory. Act on what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. Okay, thank you, Jason. Hey, Martha's asking about the summit. Uh, 
I know it's out in Colorado Springs in that area. Do you know what the website would be for that, Alex? Have you heard that lately? You know, I spoke there for about 15 summers, and um, if you put in Summit Ministries or, or Dr. Jeff Meyer is Summit Ministries, and I would be remiss if I didn't tell you what I, I'm just speaking, I think is the best Bible college in the Western Hemisphere is just 10 miles up the road from Summit. Summit is a two-week program. My summer camp is a one-week program, by the way, July 17th through 22nd. If you know a middle school or high school that would like to come to my biblical worldview camp that we do every summer, yep. it's a one-week program. Summit is two weeks. But right up the road from Summit is Karis Bible College, and there's a one-year program, a two-year program, and a three-year program. And the third year, they've got several majors like the School of Practical Government and World Missions. Uh, and it just might be the most exciting Bible college I've ever been a part of. Amen. But there's a lot of good programs, aren't there, Bert? They are. Martha, I hope you got that. Samuel, not going to have time to go to you today, but uh, apostasy in the church, where's it coming from? <clears throat> Satan is alive, and he knows his time is drawing near, and he is doing everything in his power to draw the away, and he is doing his best to weaken the church. Would you agree to that, Alex? Yeah, you know what? Apostasy uh, is a word that really does mean, well, literally, riot. And apostatizing people are like those, 1 Timothy 4.1, that says, in the end, many will fall away and go after false teaching. Uh, it's like a, a theological free-for-all. We don't want to apostatize. We want to stand strong for the truth of our risen Savior. Amen. Martha, Sammy, we'd love to have you on the air. We couldn't have time to have you ask the question and we hope we gave you enough time. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. We appreciate what you're doing so much. And keep listening to AFR and other programming. But especially, be keep on listening to Exploring the Word as we go through the Word of God. And tune in Monday. Find out where we're going as we study the Word of God. Tell someone about this program. But more importantly, tell them about Jesus. <laughs>